All right, so welcome back. We're super excited to have Ryan Whitefield on the show today. Ryan's got a very awesome story here, and it's just the evolution of a multifamily investor. Uh, we love the feedback we've gotten in this series. It's been so great to hear so many people's great stories about why they got into multifamily, how they got into multifamily, and just the drivers that have continued to want them to excel in this space. And you will not be disappointed with Ryan's story today. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, talk to us a little bit. You know, you've been in with us for a little bit now, but have been so active just getting yourself out of the gate and just taking action. So talk to us. What, what was some of the things that really drew you to investing in multifamily real estate? I think it's been a it's been a progression from the beginning of time for me. Um, just to give you a small background, I grew up in England, uh, single mom, three boys, you know, saw how hard my mom worked and I think it instilled work ethic into, into us three boys. And I was, uh, in England, you leave, you finish school at 16 in England and then you choose to go to college, a two year college, and then you go to university. Um, but I was already working at 15, you know, and then 16, 17, I was in a, a soccer program for two years after after high school but I was always working uh, in construction doing drywall actually and uh, I just had that drive and ambition I bought my first house on my 18th birthday um, with some nurturing wow. from uh, my best friend from my soccer team his dad was a real estate investor developer used to flip houses I saw how successful they were how they had everything and then there's me growing up in the hood you know so he was kind of my initial um, person I looked up to, you know, and my guide. And then I just built from there, basically. Was this basically. an investment house or a house to live in? No, this is my first house to live in. So uh, 18 was the earliest time. 18th birthday is, what, is when I closed on the, on the property. So, and I only sold it a couple of years ago. So it's kind of been around for, for a long time. So that gave me the bug, um, you know, and it was what I wanted to do because I bought it, I renovated and I thought, oh, I love this. But then being hungry and working, um, I built a drywall company too. Um, so before I knew it, I had 65 people working for me for my drywall company. Um, so I was working for all the national builders and um, I was buying houses and, and flipping them in between, you know, smaller, smaller projects, but the drywall piece just kind of took over my life at that point, but I always wanted to get more into the real estate piece. Fast forward, obviously, 2008, 2009, recession came along. Uh, a lot of these big, bigger builders in England started going bankrupt, owing me a lot of money, so the small subcontractors ended up losing out. And um, we ended up having to close, close up too. I was fortunate I didn't have to go bankrupt, but uh, I had to wind everything down, tap into savings, pay off vendors, pay off everybody. But it nearly wiped me clean out. So I basically had to start at rock bottom again. Um, in that time, I'd married my wife, Jess, who's uh, from America, and she's an interior architect. So we both had that passion for, for real estate. So we moved back to America, Minneapolis, in 2013, I think it was, 2013. And properties were still very cheap. So I was buying, uh, I bought a couple to start with, you know, $30,000 properties. I was spending $20,000 on them. And I was getting 1800 bucks a month in rent. You know, I was netting like 18%. 
So then, you know, working with one of my old partners in England, he's like, hey, I've got people that keep asking about investing into America. You know, should we, should we look at setting something up? And yeah. we did. So we bought on several individual investors. We were giving them 10% on their money, making 18%, but they didn't own any of the equity. Doing that for maybe four or five years, you know, you build up a lot of assets and a lot of equity. And some of these properties are quadrupled in price. And we ended up selling all of them in one big package to a big Chicago, you know, hedge fund. So it worked out great. You know, that was that was kind of the start of the multifamily. But we were we were buying single families and obviously renting them. And it was just so much stress and so much work. Um, The management company wasn't doing a good job. I then tried to manage them myself, you know, and it's just too much headache and too much work. And I'm like, I just, I can't, I can't do this. So um, in the end, we decided to sell them. So then comes my single family fix and flip um, investments. So, you know, I started flipping five a year, 10 a year, you know, 20 a year. Um, Then I started remote flipping to Florida and started off with one or two, and then we ended up doing 10 that first year, then 20. And now we're up to like 60 a year. We fix, flip, and build about 60 properties a year. And it's hard work, and I've never been shy of hard work. I've worked 60-hour weeks for as long as I can remember. But then, obviously, I've been part of these mastermind groups for a long time, and I've said this a million times. Being the owner of a business can be a lonely place. You know, I've got partners in England, you know, and and I've got my fingers in a lot of different businesses. But when you're making the decisions, the final decisions, it can be scary. It can be lonely. Sometimes you second guess yourself. I might be doing great, but then a couple of things go bad. And then then you start having self-doubts. Am I doing this? You know, am I doing this right? Should I be doing something different? That's why I love these mastermind groups, you know, and I've, I've been in the, you know, uh, Bill's, you know, seven, seven figure mastermind group for a long time as well. And it's good to be able to lean on other people to, to bounce ideas off. Am I doing this right? And without realizing I'm helping all these other people and I love helping people, but I don't see myself as a person that can help people because I've got from here to here without thinking about all the things I've learned along the way. But I've had so many ups and downs and, and things like that. But then you know, what I'm starting to learn now, it's it's working smarter, not harder. I can't, I don't feel that I can expand any more than 60 houses a year. I don't want to do any more than 60 houses a year. It's a lot of work. We do big renovations. So I'm getting more and more cash coming back. And what do I do? Over the years, I've just kept expanding, doing more and more and more. And all I'm doing is creating more headache and more work. Um, so that was where I started going on more multifamily, you know, webinars, seminars, listening in. And I was just about to join one when our mastermind group came up. It was literally perfect timing, absolute perfect timing, because I was just about to sign up with another company. And um, obviously, I know what this group's all about. You know, everyone looks to give not what they can get. And and that's so important to me. Um, So I'm an action person. And you only learn by jumping in and figuring stuff out. That first renovation I did when I moved to America, I spent $30,000 on the full renovation, got a knock at the door. It was the city. And they say, you've done a great job of this renovation, but you haven't pulled any permits. And this is a category two, 
Category 2 condemned property. And I'm like, what's, what's a permit? What does that mean? Um, and I ended up having to rip all the walls open, redo all the plumbing, and bring it back to new, new construction. So, you know, when you're not earning, you're learning. But uh, it, it's going through those stages. And if you don't actively do something, you won't learn. And that is how getting stuck into my first couple of multifamilies was. I was, I was scared. You know, same as I was when I was first starting out doing those multifamilies, but now I can do multi, uh, single family, sorry. But now I can do single family properties in my sleep. Why? Because I've taken so much action, built that experience, it just comes second to none, you know, a second nature. And now with the multifamily, I'm still scared in this space, but as you know, I'm, I've got, uh, you know, several properties. And I've been scared on every single one. Have I have I done the underwriting correctly? Have I missed something? Uh, how am I raising the money? Am I doing? In, am I bringing investors in? Am I doing debt? Am I doing equity? Am I going to syndicate? You know, there's a lot of things to think about. But the only way you figure that out is by actually doing it, um, taking the action, getting an offer in on something, and then panicking. What's the worst that can happen? You don't close on the property. You don't go through with it. You might lose a couple of thousand, which obviously a couple of thousand is a lot of money, but it has happened to me. I have lost money on deals that I've had to walk away from. But I think you and other people have said it, you know, sometimes the best deal is the one you walk away from. And sure. I've had a couple of situations where I've committed, I've overlooked one thing, somebody's helped me or you guys have looked over the underwriting or whatever, and it's been like, eh, yeah, this one, I'm going to lose my earnest money, but I'd rather do that. So. You know, there's so many lessons here, and I, I, I really appreciate you going through the full narrative of the story because we can even go back when you had the sheetrock company, just the value that was mostly instilled within you, right? So you weren't being paid, but you made sure to pay pay all of your debts, right? And that that's a that's mm-hmm. a telltale to really how you partner and go forward is that there's sometimes that are mm-hmm. not going to be an opportunity to you, but when you make and put your word out there, right, it's how you carry through on those experiences. And as you've jumped in, you've jumped in full circle and said, I, I need to take action. Right. And that's the lesson of most is there's many it's easy to sit on a sideline critique or think about doing it or think about all the possibilities of what can happen. But the realistic uh, thing is that once you start, that's where the lessons are, because you, you can't predict what's going to happen when you buy properties. But the best lessons you can think about every different option, A through Z through, you know, through infinity. But when you start, it's going to be one more option that you haven't put on the plate yet. And having community around you that can help you adjust. And that's what's just been so awesome with Seven Figure Multifamily is there's so many people in there, like-minded people that are trying to do, they're all trying just like yourself, do do great things, do more, learn more, take bigger, find bigger opportunities. But sometimes you do feel like you're on an island. And when you go out there, the lesson that each of us can instill in others is that you're not alone. We're all trying this, right? And we've all faced things at different times. And you talking through your story gives other people validation that what they're doing has credence, right? Has credence and follow through. And as you've continued to go, even in the times with the drywall company, you continue to follow into real estate because you saw just the advantages of what real estate can provide. And masterminds are just so powerful because they bring the collaborative effort forward to say, okay, how can we get this done? And how have you done it before? What have been the lessons? So we, we can learn by taking action, but we can also learn by the action of others and what they've learned through their experiences. So it's not us having to do it the first time every time, right? We don't have to learn. And many times that's what happens is you try to do everything yourself and as you're doing it, 
sure you learn, but can you fast track it by being part of a group where, where there's been other people who have taken that? And on the other side of it, just like you mentioned, you can also keep yourself, prevent yourself from having that steep learning lesson, right? You may have some smaller learning lessons along the way, but but having that steep learning lesson because you, you didn't have the right questions to ask at the time. So it, it's just talk a little bit here because this has been great. I mean, this has really been fantastic. I know everyone listening has really benefited from everything you've shared here. Talk to us in terms of multifamily, just over the course of the last year, some of the properties, you know, size, or you can, you can set the narrative of um, what you've actually acquired. Yeah. The, the first, um, the first property I purchased was, uh, with a 13 unit in, um, Gulfport, uh, Florida, which is, um, it's less than a mile from the beach and the shops, uh, and stuff like that. So whilst I wasn't full on with 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 the numbers um i knew what the location brings so sometimes there's more value in the dirt than there is in what you're gonna what you're gonna bring in um it's a great property it's in historic it's in a historic area with bricked streets and it's just one of them you're proud to say you own it um there's a picture of babe ruth at the property um back in the early 1900s or something like that um, oh, cool. the Gulfport, has its own, Gulfport has its own little museum. It's just an old house, but it's a museum dedicated to Gulfport. And it, yeah, it's standing in front of the oh, property. Wow. So, you know, it has some history, but it was really run down. It was very, very run down. Um, again, doing coming from a large construction, you know, construction management background, it's uh, I want to be adding value. That's where I personally can add can add value by doing bigger renovations. I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared to do a $500,000 million renovation if that's what it needs to be. This one is around $250,000 renovation. But the issues I had with this, I had people I had to vacate. And I had to vacate them because they hadn't paid their rent. It was during the moratorium. I had people that were just living horrendously. You know, it was cockroach infested. The works, we had to tent the whole building. Um, it's a six, the, just the main house alone is like 6,000 square feet. So it was quite a, quite a big job, but it's trying to keep that character of the building, you know, it's a kind of different renovation, but bringing up to rental standards. So we're keeping the original hardwood floors, but we're putting new kitchens and vanities and, you know, it's just, it's just finding that blend. So that one is still, still going actually. Uh, we've had some electrical issues where it being an old building, we've ended up having to rewire the whole building. So there's been some unforeseen costs uh, which go along with the business. Um, so that one is still going. Then I purchased a six unit down um, literally a block from the beach, um, Madeira Beach. And I'd seen this thing going around with wholesalers. Um, so some wholesalers had scooped it up off the MLS and they couldn't, they couldn't uh, shift it, so to speak. So then it does the full circle back to the MLS and that was when I kind of jumped in and ran numbers and we did a short-term rental on on that so i was able to pick this thing up for seven hundred thousand. and i again we spent about two hundred thousand dollars on the renovations to get it more like a nice clean boutique because they're only kind of studios there's there's two one beds but the rest are all kind of studios and you know what they're like down the down at the beach they look like airbnbs they got floral decor and they're just nasty but we've got more of a modern contemporary kind of feel so we put our spin onto them and they've been, I'd say, 80% occupied since we finished in November. 
Um, so for that like nine nine fifty investment, um, February, March, and April, we did thirty thousand dollars a month um, e- each month, awesome. which is phenomenal. And obviously, yeah. that's not going to be all year round. That was spring break peak, but it's it's cash flowing massively. And uh, again, that's why I looked at a smaller unit because of its location and its potential for the income. Yeah. Just along from there was my next acquisition. Um, John's Pass is, um, you've got a big bridge. There's tons of, I think there's 150 shops and restaurants. And uh, it's on the water. It's where all the tourist dock and boardwalk and everything are. And literally at the edge of the bridge, someone was selling uh, eight units for land value. They had people, tenants in them, but they were, um, they had tenants in them, but they were, again, very distressed. So we picked up these eight units with a big detached garage, which were converting into a ninth for a million bucks, which was the land value. And it used to be a motel back in the day. So it's grandfathered in. So by getting the motel license again, I can do a short-term rental. Like I say, it's right at the bridge, right at all the shops, the the boats and everything. We've been over and done some deals with the the charter companies, you know, so they're going to be you know, we're no. going to be working together. We refer people to them. Opportunity, opportunity yeah, lies we, in those that seek it, right? Because because on that yeah. front, you, when you look at this, what's the highest and best use, right? So run down eight unit here. I can now turn into nine units. I can get it at land value so I can look past just the state of the building. And then I don't just stop there. I say, well, oh, this has a motel lease and I can turn it into short-term rental, right? That That's how you can create value in this world is saying, what what are the opportunities that, that exist here? And not just look at it for actually what it is. And that's the glory of real estate, right? And so- that, that's that's fantastic. Keep going. Yeah. So we were able to convert the garage. We're, do, we're doing some laundry, vending area, and then obviously a, an additional unit. And obviously it'll be outside management. I use an outside management company to manage all the bookings. Again, I don't want headache. Just because I'm doing short-term rentals, it doesn't mean I'm suddenly managing um, all these yeah. properties. I talked about how I hate, I hate that. I don't want to be a, a property manager, but we use an outside company and an outside manager. And uh, it's it's working great. That one at John's Pass is still under renovation, um, but again, the projected income on that is four hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, for you know a one point three million dollar investment. So, obviously, we've got to get there. But it's the value add play. So we've gone in. We'll get that income. Now we've forced all that appreciation and value. So um, then again, because what I'm trying to get to. You know, just fast forward a bit. I want more passive income. And people say, well, when you're owning properties, it's not passive. Well, it's more passive than what I'm doing right now. Sure. If I can apply my, reduce my 60 hours a week to 30 hours a week, mm-hmm. still being involved with these businesses, but I'm not, you know, full on, full on. And I've got passive income coming. Then- you know, that's a great question because many times we just say we want passive income and but we don't lead on like what are we going to do with ourselves right you've worked 60 hours for your point i don't think you want to go from 60 hours to just sitting there doing nothing you your mind no, would, no, would, would never would, never would, 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 it's not, right? not right? so yeah. you yeah there's passive income but passive income can be I, I now i get back 30 hours a week i'm still working 30 hours doing a ton of things and i'll probably fill yeah. the other space knowing you right but on that same front now you have the income that's backing it here so you don't have to do the activity of potentially you know the 50 or 60 houses you talked about that that's taking you to that max right and that's the yeah. question lots of us need to ask is that you hear something what do you actually want do you want the passive income like what you're not most aren't going to say oh okay i can go sit on the beach maybe we'll do that for a week and then you're gonna be like well 
what am I doing? You know, like I've done all this stuff that yeah. I, I'm out there. You're an action seeker. That's why you're listening to the mm-hmm. show here. That's why you listen to Ryan. You know, most notably, you want passive income, but it's probably not to just stop everything cold turkey. Yeah, definitely. And just going through the processes on those three smaller ones gave me more confidence, you know, to start sniffing around the bigger ones. You know, the biggest panic, I think, when you lock something up is how, where's the money coming from? Where is the down payment coming from? So I'm that person that's always had my money ready before I commit to something. So I know where I'm at. With some of these bigger ones, you don't necessarily have the money, but the right opportunity might come along. Um, so, so going through those steps gave me a bit more confidence. Speaking to lenders, you know, going through all the you know the seven figure multifamily course and being in my accountability groups, you, we all learn from each other. You know, we're all at different levels, or we've just someone's just figured something out on a deal that they share, and it's like ah, you know, I need to check check on that. You know, it's it's just that sharing of information, and sometimes it's it's just at the right time. You know, it's usually how it works out. Somebody brings brings up a certain situation, you're like hey. I'm not going to tell them that I'm going through that, but I'm going to go and <laughs> that's go right. and take that yeah. information. Right yep. But but so so fast forward to the next uh, the bigger bigger unit that that we we took down. It was a 39 unit in Gainesville. So uh, this one was doing the rounds. Um, they had it listed on the MLS for I think 3.2 million, and it was bought to me by a wholesaler for 2.5 million. So that was when I first went out to it. And Chad actually did the um, the evaluation. So yeah, um, deal review. You know what I'm deal yeah. review. There we go. Uh, Chad did the deal review for me, and he was like, "Yeah, this thing's you know it's got some potential. You know, you should explore it some more." That was at two point five, but it just it just didn't sit right with me. The numbers just weren't quite wasn't quite there. Well, obviously, then it does a full circle, comes back to me. The actual listing agent who I'd met when I did the walkthrough with the wholesaler, he said, I've still got this, are you you know, are you know, interested? And I said, I wouldn't do it for more than 2.2. And we did a deal that wow. ended up coming down to 2.1, just over 2.1 um, from their list of 3.1. And um, it's gonna be a phenomenal deal. We, we had seven vacant units, which we are currently renovating, <clears throat> changing out a few roofs. We're doing all the exteriors making the site more attractive and appealing, you know, for when we That's start coming crazy. in. And the bumps on the rents are two to 300 bucks a door. Um, so so that's an, an awesome one. But again, timing, it's all about timing. So yeah. I wasn't in a position to go to do this solo, you know? So Jesse Trulio and I, um, you know, we've, you know, spoken and shared information with each other many times over the years, you know, so we got our heads together and we did, we took it down together. And, um, again, just partners in the group. Um, you know, it's you all know. about timing and his, his knowledge and expertise, my knowledge and expertise. We, we have outside investors. We know how to put things together. And if it wasn't Jesse, you know, or it wasn't me, you know, we could have, there's so many other people that we could have, you know, worked with to tie this thing together. And I felt more comfortable doing it as a team. Could I have taken it down myself? Of course I could have. You know, could Jesse have? Of course he could have. But doing it as a team, it kind of takes a little bit of the burden away. Like I said, it's it's lonely. <laughs> um, it's scary too, sometimes taking down properties. You know, I, I closed three single families last week and I still question every single one. Is this the right one? Is the market gonna turn? You know, because I do a lot of higher end stuff. 
So that's the first thing to be hit. But then I'm like, no, we're in Florida. There's no inventory. Everyone wants something. So it's sometimes I have to talk myself through it. And that's the same thing with multifamily. With partners, you know, you get to talk about it with each other and, and, and discuss it that way. And on so this could, one. We could honestly, and we have to come up on time here. We could take this story yeah. forever. And I want to have a yep. point where we have, we, we take probably a three or five month um, hiatus and come back and recapture on where these deals are at today. Because there's been so many mm -hmm. valuable lessons here. And there's so many points yeah. just about taking action, finding a way, understanding what's possible out there and then just doing it right and so many times we sit in the sidelines and because we're scared to take action but when we put ourselves out there we find that we can make it possible and it becomes real and surrounding yourself with others you, you've taken the action you've found other ways to do it so i i, I congratulate you it's been awesome to watch everything you're doing yeah you know, what, hard, so i was just going to say what made that one slight what made that one slightly different is it's got its own sewer treatment facility on the on the side oh, wow. too so that was yeah. a whole another education that jesse and i got you know, so going into future deals, we know what we're looking question for. to ask. So, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to Fine. interrupt you there. No, this is fantastic. And there's so many lessons and so many great experiences. And so I know there's a ton of people listening that would love to hear more about you. I mean, what's the best way to learn more about you, reach out to you and say hello? Um, Facebook. Um, I, I don't really, all my websites are uh, set up for, uh, for my uh, single family business. But if anyone has yeah. got any questions or needs help with anything, Ryan at RyCalGroup.com um, is my easiest email to reach me. Awesome. Ryan, thank you. I, I, this is so great. And um, I'm going to make note, we're going to have you back in, in three or five months here. And that little, because I think by then, not only will we see a ton of new acquisitions, of course, but we're going to see a lot of uh, fun stories about the lessons learned and just how these projects are performing at a high level now that they're all up yep. and running. So. Thank you so much yep. for coming on the show. We super appreciate your time. Awesome. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you uh, flip back in live, uh, multifamily live. A couple weeks coming up here. And for everyone listening, this is the evolution of a multifamily investor. Ryan Whitefield on the show. What a great story. We'll talk to you shortly. Thanks.